Hello, I'm Sean Capri, gamer, podcaster, human being. Every day, millions of podcasts are downloaded onto smart cellular telephones. These are incredible devices that have changed our lives for the better, but sadly, more podcasts are going unrated on iTunes now more than ever. An unrated podcast can suffer dire consequences. But if you act today, if you review We The GamerCast right now, you can ensure this cute little hungry podcast will get the nutrition and education it needs to grow up to be a doctor or a teacher. If you rate We The GamerCast on iTunes today, screen cap your review and tweet at Sean Capri, hashtag WeTheGamerCast, and we'll send you a photo of Sean eating a gluten-free sandwich and reading a comic book. We'll also read a review at the top of the show. To make the biggest impact, you can show your support with a haiku review. Don't let your favorite podcast go hungry. Support Canadian creators today and help end sappy appeals like this one. Hey, you motherfuckers. If you want to actively dislike some bitches, you should listen to the Comics Dash podcast because we suck. But not as much as Aquaman, Green Arrow, and Harley Quinn. Find out what other things suck every Monday on WeTheNerdy.com, iTunes, Android Store, wherever you get your good podcasts at. Episode 62 of We The GamerCast. It's hosted by WeTheNerdy.com and it publishes on iTunes and Google Play every single Monday. Thank you for listening and for subscribing and rating us on iTunes and for being here and for listening and subscribing and rating us on iTunes. <sighs> I don't know what happened to my voice there. I've been, I was eating a moment ago, so I don't know if I fully swallowed. <laughs> I think it kind of like shifted in my vocal cords there. And that's why you're here. That's why we're just, I, everything is out in the open. That's, that's the whole deal here. But if you're new, here's the deal. Every week, I have Sweet Hangs with a Stranger from the Internet, and we talk about video games. And um, if you want to be part of the show, it's, it's very easy. Just tweet at me, at Sean Capri. Sean like Connery, Capri like the pants. It's late right now. I have, uh, it's late on, I guess, well, early, early Monday morning. This will go live immediately after I I record this. I am on vacation. That is why I am officially in a very procrastinating type of mood. We'll get to that in a second. But I I should have done this this morning. But instead I realize I've got the whole day. I've got nothing planned. I've got basically just just video games. I ha- actually I needed to clean out the dog run, which it's been very cold here, which means that I haven't been doing my 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 chores with the dogs. And uh, instead of picking picking up the goodness one by one with a little plastic bag, I went out there with a shovel. <laughs> when you have three dogs and it's been a cold snap for a couple of weeks, I did it with a shovel. So I've been I've been procrastinating a little bit. I need to get back on track. I like the idea of the freedom that I've got with this with this time off. I will be not working until 2017, which is amazing, but I need a plan. That's just how I'm wired. That's how I work. I need a gaming plan. I need to figure out what I'm going to do with this time, or I will just go a little batty 
And it's not it's not a satisfying feeling to have all this time off and then to look back on it and go like, what the heck did I do? Like, I don't know what I even did today. I, I took a nap. I didn't do this until now. So uh, I played Watch Dogs too. I realized that, that it's actually a good game. I think that I've been kind of wavering on it. I wasn't sure if this was if this was quality or not, or if it's just a whole laundry list of things to do. And actually, now that I mentioned that, I'm, I'm still not sure which one of those two it is. I'm playing a lot of it, so I guess it, it must be good. Is that even a thing? I'm sure you have thoughts on this. Let me know. Sean Lake Connery could pre-like the pants on Twitter. But I'm excited about Christmas. I've got to do... That's the other thing I'm procrastinating about. Uh, I, I need to wrap my presents. I've been meaning to do this for... for quite a while i've been done my christmas shopping or holiday it's i did christmas shopping so we'll just leave it at that i need to wrap my presents before that before i'm doing the what everybody does which is the day before i need to get on i need to get on top of it but aside from procrastinating i am i'm I'm gonna maybe just share a little of this before we get into my chat with scott c jones of reviews on the run ep daily fame um, take a moment today, sometime this week, whatever, when you're with family, um, just reflect, take, take some stock in your life in 2016, like what, stop and just, even if it's what, what, maybe you're taking a poo right after you take a poo, rate us on iTunes. Think about what this year has meant for you. It has been a huge year for me. I've played pretty much as much as I possibly could. Uh, Chelsea and I are now expecting a baby. This is very huge. A lot of things. A lot of things have happened. So, and I talk about it with with our guests uh, last week with Seamus, uh, a little bit with Scott this week, and we have another one already uh, recorded for our Christmas special. We talk all about that with Kaylee, Nikki, and Fiona coming on uh, on Boxing Day, December twenty sixth. So stay tuned for that. I was going to tell you guys a whole bunch of stuff, but I think we're going to quickly get into my chat here. Um, I hope that you're all enjoying Super Mario Run. I hope you've downloaded it. I hope you feel that it is worth $9 to play a legitimate Mario game. It is an odd, He does run on his own, yes. That I don't feel that that really takes away too much from the experience. It's all I really want to play. Like I, I really had to make a conscious choice to walk away from Super Mario Run and actually go play Watch Dogs 2. And that's kind of like, to me, kind of a telltale sign. So I've been playing a bunch of that. And I think this is why I need a plan. Because Titanfall 2, Gears of War 4, multiplayer stuff has been tons of fun. But I don't really feel like I accomplish anything when I play. I have I, While I'm playing them, great time. But if I were to look back on two weeks of vacation, I don't know if I want to say that I spent two weeks playing multiplayer games. So I don't know. I've still got Bloodborne. I'd love to go back to Bloodborne. I've got the last of it. Like a lot of older games, I actually don't really think that I've got a whole bunch of new stuff. Firewatch went on sale. Maybe I'll get that. Song of the Deep also on sale. Possibly get that. But I did. I've done a lot of work over the last couple weeks, guys. I've put my head down and I've beat a bunch of the games that were kind of stressing me out before. But... That's where I'm at. I hope, again, take stock on, on your life. Think about some games of the year that you've kind of been uh, wondering which one will take the crown. We're going to have our stuff coming up on WeTheNerdy.com very, very soon. My top pick, probably still Forza Horizon 3. Maybe just to be different. Everybody else is going to pick probably. Actually, I don't know about that now that I think about it. 
Is everybody picking the same stuff? We'll see. We're going to have our stuff on We The Nerdy. I'll let you guys. You guys could totally, I want I want to hear all about it. Uh, we should set up some sort of voting. But that takes planning. That That is the opposite of procrastinating. So that's me. I hope you guys are doing well. Christmas time can be stressful. It can be a hard time of the year. I hope it's good for you. I hope spending time with family. I've got my brother coming up. We're going to help him move. It's a whole thing. And I hope, um, hope you have good times. So let's get into it. My guest this week is the Scott Jones. Uh, you may know him from Reviews on the Run, EP Daily. I've been Chelsea and I have both been big fans of his for many, many years. And this show is greatly inspired by Fixed Basement, a lot of the stuff that happened with EP Daily, the with EPN. And so I wanted to get him on the show. This It's very similar to getting Steve Tilly way back on episode 25 i think it was gosh that was going going a ways back so i'm glad scott made some time to have a little bit of a chat this is a real chat this is pretty much what i was expecting from scott so i hope you guys enjoy it we're gonna get right to it right now here he is scott jones i'm, I'm excited to do this sunday morning we should both be in church right now but we're not we, we skipped church today we're worshiping in the church of video games. Did you ever go to church? Yeah, of course. When I was a kid, I was raised Catholic, and I will always resent the Catholics for that. <laughs> for raising you Catholic? Yeah. I or mean, for, the, just, for the I, story? I No, I just grew up with a, a whole bunch of things I, I, I wasn't supposed to do and things that I was supposed to turn away from and temptations that were felt like risks. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was hell, and there was fire there, and there was a devil and I just feel like so much of my life, I mean, I was in therapy for maybe over 10 years when I lived in New York. And most of that was just sort of deprogramming myself from Catholicism. Like it was really, I felt guilty about everything I wanted. And I, and I still do. Like video games were were a part of my life back then. Yeah. You know, they, I mean, they were a part of that uh, when I was a kid. And, and video games were equated with a guilty pleasure. Uh, so they were um, a sin. And, and, yeah, video games were a sin. <laughs> you know, they weren't school. They weren't church. Mm-hmm. They were something that I did privately um, that I wasn't supposed to be doing. And and for you know, like the, that, I, I I think that's part of why video games have such a, a a compelling, fascinating side for lots of people. I think it is something of my generation for sure. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm much older than you, uh, that we grew up with that, that was kind of, it was a, a little indulgent, you know, and because it was of something the taboo we nature to be of doing. It? Yeah. I mean, it just felt like it, it wasn't constructive. Yeah. You know, or it wasn't perceived by our parents or our teachers as being constructive. I mean, and I should certainly 20, 25 years ago, video games had a stigma that they, they still have, but it's very muted compared to the stigma. Uh, they had back then which was it wasn't something that was good for you and and now i think that you know with the evolution of video games with with what's happened with indie gaming with the more sophisticated kind of messaging Mm -hmm. behind games i feel like they're they're a little more a little more comfortable sitting front and center of our lives and i feel like now a lot of those people from that time who are my age you know they have families they have kids they have good jobs but they're still gamers Mm -hmm. we now rule the world 
So what was yeah. the, what was the sort of three way relationship between you video games? I'm going to say like your parents is almost like a representation of of the church, I guess. Like what was that? Um, you you said you kind of like go to hide away to play it, but did your parents eventually kind of come around to the idea that you would be playing video games for pretty much no. the rest of your life? No, they they oh, still no. don't really. I mean, they don't, they don't really know what I do. They don't know how I make money. They, I don't have like, it's not like I've worked at GE for the last 40 years. Right. Right. I've been making money, (laughs) making trains, playing. Yeah. And I've been, I've been, you know, playing video games and somehow making a living out of that, making Mm -hmm. a good living too Mm -hmm. for the last 15 years. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if, if there was ever, if there ever will be any clarity in their minds, I guess Candy Crush helps everybody. You know, like <laughs> my mom knows what that is, and and she was addicted to it a little bit. And she, you know, sometimes she likes to play words with friends. Mm-hmm. So we'll get on and on, you know. And and I did play with her for a little while, and then I got sick of it. Were you um, just killing so, her? No, she was actually really good, and I was pretty new to words with friends. I got to words with friends very late. I like words, and I like Scrabble and things Great. like that. Um, but, uh, I think they're much more, it's much more acceptable for Mm -hmm. my parents' generation when, you know, their friends are playing Candy Crush and they see like, oh yeah, this has appeal. We understand why this works and maybe we don't understand it on the sophisticated level that our son understands it, but we sort of understand it a little more. Well, they finally get the lesson of, well, my friend has this game, so I must have it now as well. The thing that we all grew up yeah. telling our parents, and they said, if her, if Johnny jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge too? Like, it, mm-hmm. It's kind of given themselves a taste of their own, their own medicine. So mm-hmm. they must have given you your first video game system, though. Like, yeah, how was that sort really of introduced to that? Resistant. I had an uncle who had a – I'm sorry, I have an, a, an itch over here. I'm going to keep working on it. Um, I uh, had an uncle who had an Atari 2600. This was a million years ago, like mm. in the early 80s. And uh, he had one at his house. And, and of course, he was the my mother's youngest brother. And he still lived with his mother. <laughs> so we would go to my grandmother's house, which is where my uncle lived, and he had an Atari 2600. Um, so he was having a difficult time, I think, growing up. He was very good at connecting with kids, with his nieces and nephews. And he, uh, he had this Atari 2600 and I was fascinated with it. I didn't have one. I wanted one. It's a million years ago. The game stink by comparison to what we have now. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, once in a while he would let let us borrow it and by us i mean mostly me i'm the only one who was really interested in it who else was there brother there my i had a brother who was a year younger Mm -hmm. uh who wasn't as interested in video games as i was and uh i'd bring it home and i would just be like it seemed like this magical orb that we got in the forest that somehow (laughs) i had in my house temporarily Mm -hmm. and it was a great great time but my parents wouldn't wouldn't buy us and again mostly it was me of the, the, the me and my brother mm-hmm. uh, a video game system they just felt like oh it's a waste of time and so i became interested in computers and eventually i got a vic 20 an old commodore computer yep uh it was a precursor to the commodore 64 and uh i that was the first sort of entertainment system we had in our house but for sure i I knew about the ColecoVision. i knew about intellivision i knew about all the systems that were coming 
out that we didn't have that just felt like painful oversights on my mm-hmm. parents' part that they weren't <laughs> giving us these things. It's like, oh my God, these incredible, like you, you could play Donkey Kong in your living room. Why would you not <laughs> want to do that? You know? Where were you at this time? Like, where were you in New York or your parents now live in Florida? Like, where, or did, they must have moved there for retirement. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in upstate New York, like okay. around Syracuse, like about an hour outside of Syracuse. Mm-hmm. And as uh, so we grew up in the woods, my dad was a city kid. <laughs> he grew up in a in uh, Utica, New York, uh, okay, uh, which is a, which was a, a pretty big industrial city for a while. It's now completely crumbled and and destroyed. But uh, he always was fascinated with the woods, and so he wanted to live in the woods. And oh, you're my being mom quite was, literal about this. Living yeah, in the we, woods. Li- we we literally lived in the woods. He bought a he bought an acre of land on a dirt road. Yeah, and uh, we lived in a trailer for maybe the first ten years of my life, and then my dad built a house because he did construction. Mm-hmm. So we built a, a small house that we moved into when I was around eleven or twelve, uh, and that would be the first house that I would masturbate in. Oh my! Um, <laughs> and then and there have been more houses since then. I'm sorry. No, that's... did I say something I wasn't supposed to say? Uh, I wasn't so, yeah, expecting was, to get that out. That information out in the this woods. morning. It was literally in the woods. Like we had a, we just were in the middle of nowhere, and I just couldn't wait to get out of there. I would watch TV shows like The Odd Couple, which would mm-hmm. open. It's older. You don't remember this, but there was, you know, Tony Randall and Jack Klugman played this uh, pair of roommates in New York City. There were two divorced guys. One was a slob, and one was very neat, and they lived in this glorious apartment. In New York City, in the opening of that show, I just thought, oh, my God, why don't we live there? Mm-hmm. Why do we live here in the middle of the woods where there's just bugs and animals around us and there's hillbillies? And it's just like, <laughs> no why way. don't we go there? We never went to New York. We never went to New York. We but ne- it, like it, was, it, was, it was a stone's throw away. Well, it was like five Like in a way, away, sort of. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was for sure. I could feel the gravity as a kid of mm. New York. I could feel it. I could feel it calling to me like this is where you belong. You don't belong up there with these people in the woods. And uh, That sounds incredibly uh, isolating. W- like living yeah. alone in the woods. Is that kind of the the re- a part of the reason you want to get out of there or is just something about it didn't jive with sort of your inner self? I just felt like there were more interesting places to to live. Just there, were more interesting, <laughs> there were there were things to see and there were things to to do and we weren't seeing them and we weren't doing them and uh you know we you know every year we'd take like a family camping trip which mm-hmm. i just loathed i hate camping i still hate camping <laughs> i just had so many bad camps when we were kids where my dad would just take us somewhere we would set up a tent and i'm just like i don't know there's a hotel down the road can't we just stay there like i just don't <laughs> see the appeal of it mm-hmm. um and I've been very anti-nature, very anti-outdoors, very pro-city, pro-urban life mm-hmm. ever since I moved uh, to New York in like the mid-90s. And so when you, you're growing up, you realize that this, this life isn't for Scott Jones. What is, no, it, what is the first me. move that you make in terms of like, what's the first action that you go, this is my step out of the woods. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crawl through a, a giant log and then appear in a city. I'm assuming it's a little more complicated than that. But like, what yeah. is it schooling? Is it, is it, a, is it a lady? No, I was, uh, I had trouble with women. I still have trouble with women. Um, but I, um, my first city, 
I felt too, even though I grew up with this fascination for New York City, my first city that I lived in was uh, Chicago Okay. Uh, in the early 90s. And so I got out of college. And Where did you go? I went to a, a very small school in upstate New York called Hamilton College. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I went to Chicago because some people I went to college with had moved there. And I lived there for two years. And one of the fascinating things about Chicago, it's my first city experience. I didn't know how buses worked. Uh, I, like, I, honestly, like seriously, I sound like mm-hmm. such, such a hillbilly saying that, but I really didn't. But I got a job, and uh, I knew in Chicago somewhere they used, to, uh, pu- they used to publish a magazine called Electronic Gaming Monthly. It was based in Chicago back then. EGM. And I loved it. I read it obsessively every month and I just looked at the screenshots and I just drooled and I just thought, oh, I can't wait to play the Super Nintendo. And 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 so I was living my life. I was out in the world. I was in a city I didn't understand. I I was working my first jobs, really. And I worked as a waiter uh, in a country club in Chicago. But at night, I would go home and I would just I would play games. I had a, a Super Nintendo, which was really like a, a close friend. It yeah. was a very intimate relationship. I love the Super Nintendo, always my favorite console. But I knew where the the game stores were around Chicago, and and back then you don't you know, like you don't know this, and, and for sure a lot of the people who are consuming this uh, interview won't know this. But you would you would hope that the Legend of Zelda was going to come out. But it would never come out when it was supposed to come out. And so you'd be on a list. And they would call you when it finally came in. And it was supposed to come out, I think, in the fall of a certain year. And then it didn't come out until late summer of the following year. And that was just the world you lived in. Mm -hmm. Like a game came out on a cartridge. There was no, like, we'll ship it and we'll have, like, a 30-gig update on day one when people get it. Mm -hmm. Which is what a lot of games do. Like, they ship sort of a sort of finished version of the game but they still work on it frantically for the four to six weeks between the time it leaves the de- developer and goes to the printing press and now because of the internet they can ship these updates but back then it's like you send this cartridge out and you hope it worked and and i just remember you know living in chicago knowing where all the game stores were first you know living this urban life having this job I was trying to write back then. I was applying to graduate school. I wanted to be a writer. So I was trying to get into MFA programs and go to workshops and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But mostly I was home gaming. And I just, that's when I played Zelda for the first time. That's when I, you know, I, I remember finishing a couple times. I loved it. And I remember Super Metroid and all the great games for, for the Super Nintendo I played Contra 3, Alien Wars, like. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so many, so many great moments. Such a great console. It's, it's the console that I feel like is in my heart more than any other console. Mm-hmm. So you have a deep, a deep love. I want to just quickly say that I'm really, I almost don't even want to admit this, but I, I really enjoy you just assuming how young I am because that's that's always nice to hear. Uh, mm-hmm. But I definitely remember the days of calling Toys R Us when a, when a Super Nintendo game or something old would come out and you would call incessantly and say, like, is it in yet? Is oh, it yeah. in yet? And they would start to know you and you kind mm-hmm. of play the game with the with the clerk at the at the store you start to change your voice or you'd hand the phone to your mom to try and get her to just like be a different voice on the phone <laughs> <laughs> it's just you so know, the worst the- thing 
the the worst thing though the other thing we take for granted now with the internet and you can look up faqs and things like that is back then you had no choice if you were stuck in a game you had to call like the nintendo hotline (laughs) did you ever call yeah of course yeah uh, i got stuck a couple times in a few different games and it was just frustrating because Mm -hmm. there was no gaming community all the gaming i was doing was very private you know maybe i talked to a couple of the, the cooks at work about gaming, but I I didn't know what to do when I was stuck, and it was just it would drive me mad mm-hmm. when I couldn't get any further in a game, and I had nowhere to turn. And so, for <laughs> sure, I called the Nintendo Hotline. I don't even know if it still exists. I think uh, they it opened was... it up for a bit when they launched the NES Classic. They opened it for like three or four days oh, really? or something. I heard a rumor, but I mean, who knows? Was... That's that's so Nintendo. It was wonderful to uh, to be able to call, and you would just I loved thinking oh my god i'm calling nintendo i'm calling this magic <laughs> company and you would get on hold you would they would put you on hold and you would love being on hold because they would play theme music while you were on hold and then you'd get these nintendo game counselors who you knew were just surrounded by you know huge binders of game information and i'm like you know I'm stuck here. I can't figure out how to get the sword. I don't know how I got in this room. How do I get out of it? Mm-hmm. And I did the same thing. Like you're talking about changing your voice. I called so often and paid those <laughs> fees so often that I would just, you know, I would try to send. I was a gr- I was a man in my my early 20s back then, mm-hmm. and I just would try to sound a little younger than I was, you know. And oh so no. <laughs> I, I I mean I just figured I have to be the oldest guy calling. I'm sure I wasn't, but I I thought I was probably the oldest. I thought only kids called these numbers. But people had um, to pay for it. Like you had, you had to, to pay had to, for it. Yeah. So you had to have at least access to a credit card. So the young kids are trying to sound old enough to legitimize the whole fact that they're that, that they have a credit card. And here you are in your 20s right. trying to sound younger. I find that I find that hilarious. That's right. well, I've been part of this business for a long time, man. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I was part of this business in my mind before I was ever really part of this business. So you knew that this was what you were going I mean, to do I, from early. I didn't age. know. I I just I just knew that I loved it. I was trying to yeah. be a serious student. I wanted to get a, a degree, and I would eventually get an, an MFA in poetry, which is the most useless degree I think in the world. I think that's fascinating. Uh, and I, but I was trying to be serious, but I would go mm-hmm. and I would teach my, my classes and I would go and I would, you know, do my readings and I would do everything I had to do to get this degree mm-hmm. and I would write and I would think, oh, there's going to be greatness for me. And, you know, I, I would send out my poems to literary magazines. And I, the first time I sent poems out, I remember like I sent out like 10 poems and six got accepted. And I just thought, oh, here, here I go. I'm in the roller coaster. I'm going off on the literary world. And, and um, and then, uh, you know, the whole time I was in graduate school, all I did was do all my stuff mm-hmm. and then go home and play video games. I would just, just go home and play. I had a you know, Super Nintendo at home in my apartment off campus, and I would just plug it in and I would just let go of everything. And I would just let myself get pulled into these game worlds that felt so great and so comfort- comforting for me. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's always been part of my life. It sounds like it was mainly a solo type of experience where a lot of people kind of grow up with kids, like and their friends and they're having, I don't know, sleepover and staying up until four in the morning playing these games. Was it always kind of you in the games or did you have a, a crew growing up at all, like at no. college or any, at any point? No, I mean, you know, I, I, or were you I, more I, of a solo brother, kind of guy period. My brother is, uh, 
he's very i'm a solo kind of guy my brother's yeah. uh, only a year younger than i am but he is not interested in games i don't he not it's not a, not like he has no interest at all but he certainly doesn't have the interest that i had yeah um so we, and i and i also growing up with a brother who's that close in age to you there was a rivalry and mm. i just didn't enjoy it and i'm not i don't know if he enjoyed it either but you know, if I beat him or he beat me and I beat him and he beat like, I just think that there was so much bitterness attached to that, that I just didn't want to participate in it. And, mm -hmm. you know, honestly, that bitterness, you know, the ghost of that bitterness still kind of permeates any multiplayer gaming I do now. I just feel I feel like that's not why I play games. And I don't mm -hmm. know if I'm certainly I'm in the minority now and I, I wasn't 20 years ago, but now I am. Um, but I, I do like the private single-player story of getting into this game world, encountering a series of challenges that are going to be difficult, and then overcoming them. And, and that's what's satisfying to me. But getting online, you know, I, I've been playing a little bit of Call of Duty and, and you know, Titanfall and Gears of War. And I get on and, you know, I shoot you and you shoot me and I shoot you and you shoot <laughs> me. But the, again, that sort of the, the bad feelings of that. You know, I, 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 I just, I, I don't really want to, I don't want to do that. I don't think it's a healthy thing for, for me to feel. And because of my history, because of my brother, because of the, the sense of rivalry uh, growing up. And it was, the feeling was mutual kind of both ways. Like both of you felt either bad for beating the other person or felt inferior for losing. Is that kind of the Yeah, inferior for losing, I think. And the other one would just gloat. And I just think, <laughs> I don't know, like that was a sort of small scale microcosm of every mm -hmm. multiplayer gaming experience I have and I mean I don't know I think if I was a kid and I you know I was you know 16 and, and I was online and I was gaming and I you know I, I think maybe I would have a different attitude about it but I just didn't it didn't it, I don't know it just didn't fit into my life and it's still my least favorite way to game back when I used to do the show Vic would always he's like let's get online later and let's do this you know let's try this and let's get and i just I hated it i hated whenever he would say that to me i just thought okay i will and i know it's part of my job and i know it's part of the game and i have to look at it but i just mm -hmm. didn't want to so what are the games that are that you're playing these days that are kind of satisfying that that youthful attachment to story to just diving into a world and getting lost into it uh, i mean i'm i'm dying for the last guardian uh, oh. i'm dying for it uh, I'm just dying for like Shadow of the Colossus is really in my top five games of all time. I just think it's okay. such a such a masterpiece for me. I mean, I don't know. Am I am I answering your question? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm just I'm surprised actually. I don't know <laughs> why? why, but well, I don't know. It just seems like I. This is why I always enjoy listening to you talk about games because there's always a different perspective. It's not. I, you said a long time ago, and I don't know if you remember saying this, but you said a long time ago something to the effect of if you're going to get into this business, if you're going to start talking about games, you're going to talk, uh, going to be writing about games, have something to say. And mm -hmm. I always found that that rung true with you in terms of – and I, I interpreted it this way. I think everybody – because at first I, I heard you say that. I go, like, of course I have something to say. I'm talking. But that's not, I don't think, what you meant. I think what you meant was you need to say something different, something thoughtful, profound, and unique. Yeah. That's and right. that's why I always enjoyed listening to you talk about games because you came from a different angle. You weren't regurgitating kind of the same, uh, especially now with the, the internet, it seems like an idea takes form and then everybody just runs with it. And so with regards mm -hmm. to 
The Last Guardian, I think that the internet has sort of made up its mind about its attitude on the game. And so I, I, when you say that this is the game that you're dying for, this is refreshing for me. So that's what that's why my reaction well, I don't, is. Latest. I mean, I'm sure it's flawed and I'm sure I haven't played it. You know, I, I, uh, I still... But you're am, still looking forward I, to it. Like, that's the I'm thing. looking forward to... I mean, that's... Like, I've taken a step away from media. Yeah. Right? You have to understand. I've taken a step away from media. Uh, I, you know, I don't think I've filed a review all this all year long. And honestly, mm-hmm. it, it feels great. To yeah. not have to worry about that. It feels great to just walk into a game store like a normal person and look at what's what's there and, and think about what, what I'm going to bring home and why I'm going to bring it home. I mean, it's just it's given me that sense of wonder back. I mean, yeah, it's great to be a journalist. It's great to get free game codes. It's I still have lots <laughs> of friends in the marketing and media side who mm-hmm. – will send me codes to things i'll you know i'm not going to say which games but most of the games i i've gotten this year I, i've gotten because of a nice favor from old friends um and I, I played everything almost everything i mean last guardian i feel like i'm just kind of i haven't gotten that no one uh no one has sent me a code for <laughs> it. But, but i've been in the store and i've looked at the box and it feels great to just kind of do that and and go back to just being a fan again and yeah. I, I think i lost touch with I think I lost touch with my my fan, the fan that lives in all of us. And, you know, I was a guy doing a job. We had a lot of things to review every week. Vic played at an alarmingly fast pace, and it was very tough to keep up with him. Mm-hmm. And part of me just felt like, you know, Vic is going to be positive about everything. I'm going to bet the other way. I'm going to go the other way and say, listen, your time is precious. This is not worth your time. Mm-hmm. This is not worth your money. But this is so I would just try to separate everything very cleanly and clearly for everybody. Um, but I've played not almost everything's everything. a nine. <laughs> not everything's a nine, and you know, like it's not. And I, I think you you can't be afraid of giving out you know very low scores. Sometimes you can't be afraid of that. Mm-hmm. These what, guys work very hard on these games. What were but some of the I, most? I feel like you. Have... Sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to ask you, uh, what were some of the most, because um, I, I know you guys kind of rated games quite differently at time to time, but what were some of the most um, divisive games where you just could not see where Vic was coming from and you were so, dead set on the fact that, no, there's nothing here? No, I mean, I mean, there was never any like 10 and 0. It was never that dramatic. Right. But it was, it was... You know, I had a hard time with the Uncharted series. You know, oh, I, okay. Vic, Vic always loved the Uncharted series. And, and mm-hmm. for sure, I love Naughty Dog. I love The Last of Us, infinitely superior to the Uncharted series. Uh, but the Uncharted series just felt like a game that really didn't want to be a game. It was a game that wanted to be a movie. And I hate when games do that. Mm-hmm. Like the, the glory of this medium, the, the glory of, of what video games can do. Like video games can take us anywhere. Movies still are, for the most part, grounded on Earth. Yeah. Uh, and I just hate, I hate when games try so hard to just be blockbuster movies. Like, mm-hmm. it just makes me, it doesn't make me sick, but it makes me turn away. Um, so we were always at odds on, you know, and even the most recent one, the, you know, the, the last Uncharted 4, Jesus Christ. Oh, you know, no. There were, were cutscenes in that thing that just went on forever. And I'm just like, 
oh my, what am I supposed to do? I, mm-hmm. I don't really care about these people and they're talking and they're talking and talking. And then I get a little bit of game that's well-crafted, but it's just mm-hmm. like, it's like somebody, you know, it's like, it's like a, a backseat driver. It's like, just, I just want to say to Naughty Dog sometimes, just like, let me make the choices. Let me drive this game. Why do you guys have to keep taking the wheel from me and driving for me for, for huge chunks? I hate that. You and my wife are very similar in that way because I love the Uncharted games, but she's just like, I, she's like, that, I would, I would fall asleep. She hates yeah. that whenever I play a lot of those games, I was playing Mafia 3 actually a few weeks ago, yeah. and I was sitting around for, this is when it really hit me. For some reason, I don't mind it Uncharted, but for Mafia 3, I was sitting there playing for about two hours, and I'm like, I think I played for about eight minutes total. I think I've I've driven around, and that's kind of mm. it. I shot three guys, and that was kind of the game. Um, I want to go back to, you're in Chicago, uh, you're playing games. Where where do we go from there to... Um, getting to like you're reading egm is that is that a, a magazine that you ended up writing for you ended up writing for playboy i i wrote for almost everybody at one point or another. was it a freelancing like, type of thing or were you surrounded by playboy yeah, bunnies freelancing like i wanted to ask no, you what it's it, like writing about video games surrounded by naked women i, I ne- was never surrounded by any naked women i mean i have other stories of, that uh, involve naked women but maybe they're not okay. appropriate for the podcast but the you know i i <laughs> I had a great career, and, I, and yeah. I wrote for a lot of different magazines and publications. You have to understand, I had a really terrible job when I first moved to New York, and I hated myself, and I hated my life. And uh, I wrote about games just because I just did it for free. Why did you thought, hate yourself? You know, well, I had a re- – I mean, that's the long digression that I don't really want to go into here. Okay, I had fair. a terrible job in New York. I had an yeah. awful office job where uh, I just felt really r- – rotten about myself and um but i just would write about games for different small websites and um once i did that i started getting on the product list and then i after that started happening i started getting invited to events and i started meeting people and i started meeting media people uh for for pr purposes but then i also started meeting uh editors and writers for some of these publications and once i did that, uh, I was off. Like, I remember mm-hmm. I, uh, a friend of mine who uh, was an editor at Maxim said, listen, our, we don't have a video game guy. This was the first big call in my life, and I still owe this guy. I feel like I owe him a check for a million dollars. He said, we need someone to come in. Can you do it? And that was it. I was off. Mm-hmm. Like, I wrote like a demon. I enjoyed myself. I was on every product list. I got every, I got FedExes every day. I started getting flown to events. I started going to meeting everybody from top to bottom in the industry. And that was really probably in my late 30s, mm-hmm. mid to late 30s. So I really didn't have a career until, you know, much later then most people start having a career. And, and I mean, I think that's the thing. If you're in mm-hmm. your 20s and you're out there and you want to be part of this business, like just keep, you know, doing what, you know, finding a way to be involved, even on a small level. And at some point, I think a, something's going to happen and you're going to be able to get in. And, and I got in and it's just, it's like that, you know, I've had such a great 15-year run. I just wouldn't trade it for anything. And the whole time I was oh, sick nice. in 2013, mm-hmm. I just laid in the hospital and thought about the incredible career that I've had and the, the, how satisfying it, it has been and how 
lots of chunks of my career, I I don't know if things happened to me or if they were things I dreamed, like just incredible. Like, <laughs> oh man, I did two interviews with with uh, Miyamoto. I've you know, sat, like I sat in rooms with him and asked him questions and just just the most surreal things you can imagine. Maybe it's not being surrounded by Playboy bunnies, but. I think in some ways, much more sophisticated, much more satisfying. Definitely much more satisfying, especially when you've got your your memories of your old house in the woods. I mean, nothing can really beat that. That's right. Um, I wanted to ask you about your your heart as well. Um, you mentioned you got sick in 2013. I did. What, like, how, how did you even discover, if you don't mind me asking, uh, how did you discover that something was, was up? Because you're very fit. And you take care of yourself, and then yeah. just all of a sudden you're you're knocked on your ass. Well, I, uh, I you know I, I haven't always been very fit. I uh, I drank a lot for a long time, mm. uh, and I mean I I think I'm an alcoholic. There's no formal diagnosis for alcoholism, but I uh, I like to drink, and I I don't I I wouldn't say I don't drink anymore. Like a couple times a year, I'll have a beer. Mm-hmm. And it's nice, but I don't, I can't remember the last time I got drunk. It's probably been at least two years, maybe yeah. longer. Um, but uh, what happened was in 2012, I think I started waking up at night with night sweats. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, really, like everybody gets hot at night sometimes and you wake up and you're sweaty. But like, I would soak my bed like every night. Yeah night and i would just wake up and i would literally change have to change out of my clothes and i'd have to move over to the other side of the bed and uh i had night sweats for about a year i went to the oh my doc- gosh yeah I, w- I went to the doctor a, a bunch of times um he said I, I don't know people sweat at night i don't know what to tell you <laughs> i went to i went to walk-in clinics they had no answers for me and i just mm-hmm. thought this seems like something's wrong but these guys are telling me it's okay and uh and then i just suddenly the world stopped making sense to me. Like things just started getting very, uh, just very fluid and surreal Mm -hmm. and dreamlike. And I was forgetting to do things. And then I stopped going to work and yeah, because you're working this whole time. Like how is this affecting your day to day? Well, it was tough. I was doing the show and, uh, I, uh, I had, I wasn't grumpy, but I had, I had a serious, I had a stroke or I had, a series of strokes. So what I had was an infection in my heart. It was very, very big. Pieces of it broke off and went to my brain. And um, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I had something called endocarditis, which is very rare for a normal, healthy person to get. Mm-hmm. I, but I got it and, and uh, they don't really know how I got it or why I got it. It got into one of my heart valves. They did an operation. They pulled out the part of my heart that was infected and um, put a plastic valve in its place. So I had open heart surgery. I had a, I had a, accurately, I had a series of small strokes. So I have a numbness on the left side of my body. Everything kind of fell apart. I've seen other people who have had strokes. And uh, let me tell you, this could be way worse than what I ended up with. Like I got, I got really lucky. Yeah. my brain is still soft. I still have a hard time carrying a conversation. I still have a hard, I forget things sometimes, and I still have the numbness, and I have other problems I won't go into here. But for the most part, I'm I'm okay, and I still get to yeah. be here a little bit longer, you know. And 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 I still get to to 
I don't know. I, I feel like I'm, I'm ready to do something else. I'm ready to have an, a new adventure of some kind. I miss writing. I miss talking about games. I miss being on the show. I miss Victor. Aww. Um, and, uh, but now but you've I, moved away. Like, I, so you've kind of ans- answered the, the question I was going to ask, which is like, what's the, the new lease on life type of situation? It seems like that's, that's what it is now. But, um, now you've, you've moved from Vancouver to Toronto. And yeah. I, I mean, first I want to ask, why you didn't go back to the States? Um, you're staying in Canada. We've wooed you at least for a little while. I love Canada. And, um, you know, we have a new president down there mm. and I, 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 the landscape feels, um, feel, feels more dangerous. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how this is going to play out, but I don't know if I want to be in the middle of it when it's playing out. Um, I feel a little more protected up here because, yeah. The healthcare coverage is a little simpler, um, and I'm also I feel very vulnerable because of what I mm. went through, and also because, you know, aside from some jobs here and there, and some consulting jobs and some freelance jobs, like I haven't really worked consistently. And if you don't work in the U.S., then you don't have health insurance. And right. here, here I have some coverage, so I like it here. I love Canada. I've never loved Toronto that much. But um, so why go there? Well, there's uh, a reason why, and that that's because uh, I'm in love, and there's uh, the woman who I'm with lives in Toronto, and so uh, I just I just know that after what I went through, you don't say, well, I want to do that, you know, mm-hmm. maybe two years from now that makes sense. I I think you just got to go and grab what you can get and go and have fun t- today as much as you can, as much fun as you can have. Um, I and love that's, that advice. Like I just, I just, I can't. You can't wait around. You can't say I'm got, that'll be a smarter choice. You know, two years from now, I, I don't know. I don't know if any of us who has two years, like you don't mm-hmm. know. This was really uh, a pretty, you know, significant rug pulling out from under me. And were you I living just, life like you had? 10, 15, like, were you, were you living life the way you are now before you got sick or were you, were, was, were you taking things for granted in a way? Life, I guess, in a way. Yeah, I think so. And yeah. I, 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 I do feel like everybody sort of falls asleep a little at the wheel. Mm-hmm. Everybody does kind of just, they're like, Oh, I guess everything's okay. And I you guess go on autopilot. you go on autopilot and I, and I feel like that's okay. Mm-hmm. I, and I feel like it's natural and it's normal and everybody does it. But, uh, and, and for sure, like the weird thing is I felt so grateful to be alive when I yeah. got back and I just thought my brain still doesn't work, but I'm going to try to write, I'm going to write a book, I'm going to do this and that. And, and I did some of those things. Mm-hmm. But now what did, I feel what like did you I, write about? Well, I mean, I still write on my website, uh, scottcjones.com. I still post things there about like it's a pretty extraordinary thing what what I went mm. through and yes and part of it is also just I I like having a perspective on this business I like talking about technology I like being part of this business I like talking about I don't know like my way of understanding what it is that we're all doing here is through writing about it so that's my way of processing it that's my way of digesting it lots of weird things happen every day in every minute of every day but if I think about it a little bit and write about it, then usually I digest it a little bit. What was your book idea? I wanted to write a book about a guy who was 
44 who uh, got Named really Scott. sick. <laughs> yeah, who had a stroke. Like I, I yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel like it's not a fiction thing. It's mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. a it's a nonfiction. You know, I mean, I, strokes are on the rise for sure. Everybody's mm-hmm. going to be, be hit in some way with a stroke, whether it's them directly mm-hmm. or whether it's indirectly through a family member or a loved one. Um, so more, more and more people are, are going to experience what I experienced. And I, I don't know, like I, I kind of I was on TV when I had my stroke. Like, yeah. like that's... everybody was watching. <laughs> everybody was watching. <laughs> Nobody knew what was going on, uh, especially me. So. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, now I'm, I, uh, I love podcasts. I love yeah. podcast culture. Uh, I love being guests on podcasts like this. Uh, uh, and uh, But I want to make my own podcast. And so uh, I went to uh, – there was a podcast conference here in Toronto a couple of weeks ago because they have things like that in Toronto that they don't have in Vancouver. Um, and uh, I just met some people and – Hopefully that'll be part of my life. I mean, we'll see. Like, again, mm-hmm. mostly I just feel grateful and honored and I'm just happy to still be here. I'm happy that I get to drink a strong uh, cup of black coffee in the morning. I'm just <laughs> grateful to be with my cats. I'm grateful to have love in my life now. Oh, that's you so know? awesome. Yeah, it's it's great. And I, I found a, a great partner and, and we're off to a good start. And uh, I'm just very, very happy. Uh, I'm very happy to to be given this chance and and I just want to try to make the most of it. So do you think we're kind of closing out the the 2016 year? Has this been sort of like a like a rebuild year in in Canada everything's a hockey analogy. So is this kind of like a rebuilding or like what's how's 2016 been kind of in a nutshell for Scott Jones? Uh it's been great. I mean I don't I've never quite had a year like this. Yeah. Before I mean my recovery is sort of it's leveled off. Uh, and I, I feel like I'm back in business and, and I've been trying to build a new business here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was also part of the reason why I moved to Toronto. I've been trying to, to uh, sell myself as a consultant. So, uh, how's that going? Uh, pretty well. Yeah. Like I've had lots of great meetings. I went to MIGS a couple of weeks ago in mm-hmm. Montreal and, um, I, but it's, it's hard. I don't have a steady paycheck. I've done things all over the map. I just shot, mm-hmm. I shot that commercial in BC for BC lottery. Um, just different things. And, and I, I feel like it's been good. I get nervous about money every now and then, but not yeah. too nervous. That's good. I, everybody gets nervous about money, but I, I also don't want to, I don't want to do anything that I don't really want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, you know, I've I've had a great career. I don't know if I'll ever have a better career than the one I just sort of wrapped up. Uh, but I'm wondering what the next phase is. I'm wondering what phase two of this career is. And, is and the book closed on that? One. Like, mm-hmm. is it is that kind of is that done? Like for sure, kind of thing. Like the whole being on TV talking about games is that in the past, or is there a glimpse of hope? that you may no, return to that in the future. You know, I, I just, uh, I don't even know if I'm supposed to say this, but I, I got a call from a production company here in Toronto about some sort of tech show that they were doing. And they asked me if I wanted to come in and audition. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I think about it, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. I, I, I certainly don't think I want to be a critic anymore. I don't want to, mm-hmm. I don't want to take things apart. I don't want to dismantle things that you built. I want to build my own things or help somebody who's building something. 
Yeah, you know well, I mean? you totally. You were talking about this on Vic's basement uh, a little while ago when you kind of made a return, and um, you're you're podcasting, and your idea was to go into EB Games and just talk to the the people working there. Yeah. And as soon as I had heard that. I was mm-hmm. screaming at my wife, Chelsea, going, Scott's doing what I wanted to do. Like, that was, oh. I, which I love. I love that this is, and it's, it's sort of a self-validating kind of thing as well, where I'm like, well, if Scott wants to do it, then obviously this was a great idea. Um, but I don't know how that, that <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, has that been going pretty well for you? I yes, was listening I to your interview with uh, Adam oh, Boyd and AMC. your chat with your dad, too, which is, like, yeah. a little bit different. Um, but, yeah, kind of maybe talk about the, the heavily pixelated podcast that has been going See, up on well i you know I, I i don't know what this is i one of the one of the fans of ep uh reached out to me a million times and i always just turned away from him mm-hmm. because i don't you know like i don't know i don't know who's Crazy. sane and mm-hmm. yeah i don't know and so i just kind of <laughs> like totally just fair. have a general policy mm-hmm. but this guy reached out to me i don't know what happened anyway i met him and uh his name's Steven Nikolic. He's a nice guy. He's uh, just, he's a really sweet guy. And he's been helping me with the podcast a little bit. That's awesome. So, uh, but I've had to learn how to record these things. I've had to learn how to use the equipment properly. And I still make mistakes. I just recorded another one uh, last week. And the audio is a little off. So I'm still, it's a work in progress. But I know that I need to make mistakes in order to make something new. Mm-hmm. So I'm still trying out different things. Part of it, somehow there's this vague sense that I'm going to do something emotional and profound that has something to do with video games. So that's where I want it all to go. And I don't know how much it's going to involve the counter people that places yeah. like ANC Games. I don't know. But I know that I like talking to people. I know that I like doing interviews. I know that I like having real conversations like this one. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that's worth to the world. I don't know if I would ever have a following on that end of, of the media realm. But that's if I did go back to media, that's the part of it I want to participate in. And I've mm-hmm. been listening to lots of great podcasts, like the, uh, this guy Jonathan Goldstein does a show called Heavyweight that I love. I've been listening to a show called Criminal, which is these little kind of easy-to-digest kind of Dateline NBC episodes of crime stories. They're just they're wonderful. Uh, I love the CBC show Love Me. I think it's very emotional, very moving. I love all that stuff. And yeah. it's, it's the only sort of medium where I, I put on headphones and, and I sort of I trust it enough. That I just let myself fall asleep. So a lot of those podcasts <laughs> are just in my brain subconsciously that I never really consciously heard, uh, which is great. But I, I just I listen to the Moth. I think there's great story storytelling on the Moth. Just great I've stuff. I've never heard of that one. Does, do you think that? Okay, so you kind of touched on something that I think like is very central to me, which is. You love to have real conversations, and yeah. that's why I love doing this show. Like, what, if people aren't up for a conversation like this, then that's totally fine. We talk about games. Um, they tend to be the shorter conversations, I think. But what I have found over doing this, at, uh, like every single week, I'm talking to somebody I've never met before, talking to them about mm-hmm. games, and sometimes they'll they'll dive into something very very personal, and I find that insanely rewarding. But I don't. The, the problem is, I don't get to have those conversations in real life. And mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of strange that there's this – I get more of a real conversation with somebody I've never met before on the internet. But if I were to sit down with, like, my brother, 
I'm not having a conversation like this. And I want to, like, I would like mm-hmm. to have a conversation like this with, with a family member. Um, but I'm not, I'm not able to, do you find that there's something about podcasting that brings that out of people? Or are you able to have real conversations in your, in your everyday life? Like, is there a difference to you? I think it's tough I, yeah. to have real conversations. I mean, and not that they have to be like gut wrenching or anything like that for it to be quote unquote real, but just to have something that's not blah 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 local sports team blah 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 weather you know what I mean like not chit I hate chit chat I hate small talk which you know, I, it, it I, manifests I, in a way where people think like I don't have anything to say where I'm like I just don't want to talk about that yeah I just I mean that's the reason I don't leave the house very often I, just, <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't. I really don't like the com- conversations. I feel like I invest a lot in conversations mm-hmm. and I don't just have kind of, I don't have a lot of ti- patience or, or tolerance for just kind of tire spinning conversations. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just be nice. I don't want to mm-hmm. say some nice things to you. And you t- so what I, I think I do, and I've never said this out loud before. I'm just thinking of it right now. Mm-hmm. I think, I think what I do is I ask, like, really, when I see people physically and we have a conversation, I ask really inappropriate things. Yep. And I think I think I do that, and I think I've always done that. And I think what it does is I see how they react, and then I gauge how intimate our conversation is going to be going forward, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and I feel like I've always done it, and I, I like saying inappropriate things around people. I remember, you know, going... I've been in a million urinals with Victor Lucas, and every time we go in there, you know, he goes to his station, I go to my station, and then mm-hmm. it's just silent. And so we'll just be standing there, and I remember I I probably did this to him. I do it now all the time whenever I don't I haven't seen Vic in a urinal all year long, but I would always say, "Why is my penis so small?" <laughs> And I would just say that, and it's just so awkward and kind of awful. And if and Vic almost always would start laughing, and then if there was another guy in there too, he would start laughing. <laughs> but then there's a camaraderie among the three of us now mm-hmm. after that. And I think I think I've always kind of done. I I do that mm-hmm. maybe in gentler ways with people I don't know as well. You're just so getting on the bus them, and yelling the same thing. Yeah, no, I don't do it on the bus, but I, I, I do try to push people into, in and I think that's one of the reasons. I, that's one of the things I like to do in conversations is I like to, yeah. I like to just sort of plumb the depths, you know, and and see how far I can push people in, and then I, I want them to push back, you know. That's and if they push back, I'm like, oh, we're off. We're having a conversation. Well, you're starting at don't. a lowest common denominator, almost literally. Yeah, <laughs> just a stupid toilet that's humor. True. Yeah. Well, I think I've taken enough of your time. I really appreciate yeah. you having a chat with me today. Is there anything you're else you wanted to man. talk about? Oh, you're no, a sweet that's man. It. That's a that's that's it. That's it. Uh, but uh, thanks for for the opportunity to, to be on your show. If you ever want me to come back, just let me know. I'm always sitting around on Sunday mornings. Uh, oh, usually, I run sweet. the vacuum at this time. Uh, I appreciate so. you turning it off. <laughs> and uh, yeah, good luck with everything in the future. young man that scott c jones can you believe it that was scott jones on my show i'm always very grateful for everybody for making time 
for this show. Seamus, last week, if you guys missed it, Seamus Mullins from Australia. We celebrated one year. And right after one year, we have Scott Jones on the show. This is incredible. Thank you guys again for being here, and thanks to Scott for his time and for a lovely... He didn't pull any punches. I think that I asked good questions. I hope that you guys enjoyed listening. I think that it was a a pretty good show this... What are we, five days away from Christmas? It's amazing. Merry Christmas to you. Happy holidays if if you're celebrating something else. Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, what else is happening now? New Year's will wait till till next time, so thank you again for listening. And if you didn't at the beginning of the show, maybe now is the time that you're, you're having a little poop. A rating on iTunes, five stars would be great, something written. You could just say, hey, just like, just like at the start. That would be great. And again, if you want to be sh- part of the show... Tweeted me at Sean Capri, Sean like Connery Capri like the pants. You can also email we the gamercast at we the nerdy.com. And remember that that's the site, we the nerdy.com hosts this beautiful podcast, so be sure to go there every day for game reviews and comic books and probably some Star Wars stuff. I went to see Rogue One over the weekend, and I will talk to Gary T. Movies on Netflix and chill. That's also a We podcast that you can find on iTunes and Google Play and youtube.com slash We The Nerdy. What else, what else do I do? I talked to, to Bobby. I talked to the Nintendo Guru today for If We Ran Nintendo. That's also uh, a We The Nerdy podcast. iTunes, Google Play, youtube.com slash Nintendo Guru. I think that's going to do it. I think it's, uh, it's 20 after 1. I'll take a moment to save this as an mp3 file and and upload it to the internet. And I hope that you listen to it today. Today being Monday, five days away from Christmas. Do it while you're wrapping presents. Or whatever it is that you do. But otherwise, this has been episode 63 of We The GamerCast. It is now in your ears. Thank you again for listening. I'll be back next week, the day after Christmas. Is it? Is that how that works? I feel like my math hasn't been adding up this whole time. I probably did something wrong in there. But anyways, I'll be back next week. I hope you're there too. Now it's time for Jason. Why? I'm kind of whispering Jason right now because it's really late. And I don't know if if Chelsea's asleep. But nonetheless, Jason. 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 Jason! Sean! 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 Sean, where are you? Jason! 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 Sean! 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 Jason! 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 Jason!